411 Live. Where you can learn about issues that affect us every day. State of World 411 Live. Real people, real talk. Made to help people in our community in every way. There are a lot of great things going on in Milwaukee. Uh, I can think of a few. You know, entrepreneurs are springing up everywhere. The entertainment district is growing. But there are also some challenges in Milwaukee. Um, Violence. Violence has increased, particularly homicides. We also have challenges with young people who are struggling with life, especially when those struggles include very bad choices. I can think of car theft as one. But there are solutions. Hello, I'm Beverly Taylor, and this is the 411 Live, Real People, Real Talk. I am joined by David Muhammad. He is the Deputy Director of the Department of uh, Health and Human Services in Milwaukee County, and formerly with the City of Milwaukee's um, Office of Violence Prevention, right? That's correct. I heard you talk at a Strive 365 event. We Mm -hmm. were both there. And you were mentioning so many things that the department is doing and what you guys are up to. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Thank you. A lot of things I didn't know. <laughs> and, and, you know, we need to talk about this. Sure. And that's why I really, I, well, I can say I've been pestering you to that's get on. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> because I, I really wanted you to be on the show. You know, when you talk about, you know, you're with health and human sure. services. You were with violence prevention. Mm-hmm. It kind of connects, doesn't it? I, I would agree. Yeah, absolutely. I think you have called it uh, violence, a uh, communica- communicable disease. Absolutely. Tell me about that. Sure. Well, you know, from a public health perspective, violence is a psychosocial disease. It's, it's um, you know, in the most common sense, people just say hurt people hurt people. Mm-hmm. And so, <clears throat> you know, many people might be familiar with the concept of trauma and trauma being something that is either transformed or transferred. And so when we look at cycles of violence in our community, oftentimes the first exposure is in the home or in our neighborhoods or in schools. And we learn to use violence as a normal way to resolve conflict. And so when we talk about it from the lens of Milwaukee and looking at neighborhoods and communities, when we see disinvestment in a neighborhood, when we see institutions in those neighborhoods that are going away, taken away, or are under-resourced, you start to see community life break up. When you see families under great economic and social pressure, you see that acted out in ways that express anger and frustration, or um, even in in many respects, self-treatment. We can look at drugs as a form of self-prescribing, whether that's alcohol or other types of hard drugs. Mm -hmm. And People are coping in various ways that can be self-destructive. And so when people express that frustration in unregulated emotional ways, it can erupt in violence. So all violence is really a retaliatory response to feeling unheard, disconnected, unloved, disrespected, or vulnerable. And when you put it in that context, whatever means or methods people have, whether it's a gun whether it's a hand, whether it's abusive language, all of that can take on the form of violence. But it all comes from a level of violence, which is disinvesting in neighborhoods and communities and destroying families. Yeah. 
Yeah. When we talk about the young people and, you know, uh, in the news, young people are associated with the stolen cars. Sure. And we had, excuse me, a mother on the 411 Live not too long ago. Her daughter Mm -hmm. was, you know, in a stolen car with a, with a little, with the kids. And she, it, she was hurt. Absolutely. I mean, in yeah. intensive care mm-hmm. and couldn't talk, but she was able to, to kind of motion. And her mom asked her, you know, you're going to keep on stealing these cars? Mm-hmm. And she said, yes. And then her mother reminded her of the consequences and, you know, of those actions. And then she said, she said, no. A lot of people are out there who just say, but these young people who are doing these things, just lock them up, lock them all up. Mm-hmm. Why is that a bad idea? Well, I think anytime somebody is a threat to themselves and to the general public, um, there, there should be a, a place for them to be rehabilitated. The, the fact remains that even though we have places like that, rehabilitation hasn't worked. And if it, if it did, Milwaukee would be one of the safest places right. because we incarcerate some uh, most of uh, have some of the largest incarceration numbers of, of, of black males, particularly. Given the example that you cited, what you're looking at is high risk behavior, and there's a, you know, a level of adrenaline mm-hmm. and risk associated with that. Then you and I probably had a different way or a different outlet to express or have. And then this generation uh, of young people engaging in that kind of behavior, it doesn't make sense to us. But I'd say, remember, maybe 15 years ago, the smash and grab in the malls didn't make sense to us either or some of those other things that young people were doing. And, you know, stealing a car only to crash it and jump out of it um, and or drive it in a haphazard way yeah. with uh, your friends recording it doesn't seem like something that would make sense. Uh, but when you're looking at young people who are disengaged, who are undersupervised, and there's a lack of resources, they're making probably the most self-destructive choice they could make. But it didn't happen in a vacuum. And I would kind of like to share with the audience where um, I see that this behavior has evolved over time. Please if it's do. possible. Well, uh, a couple of things. There's, there's policy points that you can identify where trends start. And so we can say, well, there's a viral trend about Kia or Hyundai, all right? But... I remember when, maybe around 2015, the police department got in some trouble, 2015, 2016, 2017, for traffic stops. And in the street of Center Street, there were about 20,000 stops in Milwaukee, um, about 7,500 of them just happened on Center Street. So there was a lot of focused policing in a certain area under the guise of traffic stops, but effectively it was racial profiling. Okay. So there was not a lot of traffic safety type of policing or quality of life policing, but it was targeting certain drivers, certain profiles, or even individuals and having a traffic stop. When that lawsuit came, the police department, there was a chilling effect. And so there was a stepping back under that police chief at that time. I believe it was um, Flynn and then it was Morales. And they went into a much more targeted type of policing that says, okay, we're going after mobile drug houses. Right. The word got out that they weren't going to chase. Chief Flynn was against the chase policy because he said it costed the lives of citizens and officers. When the shift from Flynn to Morales happened, 
Chief Morales reinstituted as well as the FPC and many people in the community said, chase them. Right. Go after them. And so you started seeing more and more crashes and incidents. There were incidents happening when there was a no chase policy. But you know how it is in the community. People are like, oh, they ain't going to chase you. You know, go, you know, watch. We, you know, we hopping fat. We driving crazy and whatnot. And, and, and you know, so that, that became the culture. So when you see a policy change because of a certain type of policing that was discriminatory, and when you see a lack of quality of life, community engagement coming from a system like law enforcement mm-hmm. to the community, the response in the culture is this cat and mouse game. And it becomes this high risk behavior that we've seen over time has now become youth culture in Milwaukee, which is I'm stealing cars or I'm a passenger in a stolen car. Right. All of this comes from a reactionary kind of way of responding to social problems. It was mobile drug houses then. It was discriminatory then. And then you and I now, I remember just asking myself, gosh, I wish I could get a speeding ticket or something (laughs) on Titonia or Capitol. Like, you don't see the level of enforcement. When Chief Norman became the chief, you started to see the traffic safety unit come back out and some of those other types of surge traffic enforcement things. So now you see a lot of development where they're putting sticks up around the curbs and things like that to help. Uh, They're putting what they call a road diet, and they have this thing called Vision Zero. All of that is is nice, it's good, but at the end of the day, people who are property owners, people who want to be safe in Milwaukee, they want the same level of quality of life policing that everybody else does. And it's not just young people out here doing this. Because in 2021, there were 10,000 cars stolen in Milwaukee County. Mm-hmm. Of that 10,000, only 600 were done by youth. So we wow. have to be a lot more real about who's doing what. When young people act out, they're imitating bad grown folk behavior. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes doing it with the encouragement and direction of some grown folks who are not the responsible, caring adults that a young person needs in their life. But if, if the responsible, caring folks won't, then the hood will. So Right. And then you have the thing of those young people who decide to do it. Sure. They grow up. Oh, yeah. And then they are the ones who are adults doing it, mm-hmm. who are influencing the next generation. Right. And we're here. talking grown up by age, not necessarily <laughs> right. maturity. Exactly. And that's that. another thing yeah. to talk about, you know, with the risk and the adrenaline and all that sure. kind of thing. There is a brain development that plays in in all of this that a lot of people forget about. Right. Because we're we're thinking adults, we're thinking of Sure. You know, based on our adult minds. But young people don't have the experiences and the maturity that we have. So they're not Uh, thinking the way we are. Or even the class experiences. I mean, the brain development happens all the way up until the age of twenty three, and that's under normal circumstances. Yeah. That that that's not necessarily with, you know, uh, an, ex- an early exposure to marijuana multiple times a day or alcohol and other drugs or other types of undiagnosed conditions that we're seeing uh, in our community or lead exposure. And so when we talk about health and we talk about the life trajectory of people in our community, we have to talk about the entire environment mm-hmm. and every circumstance that we go through as people. Right. And then we, we, when we talk about trauma, trauma 
actually interferes with that brain development sure. too. So you, I can't even imagine some of the kids who are living in our community who are jumping and hearing gunfire on a regular basis or the kid who's sleeping in the bed wondering, will we get evicted tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Will they come and take our stuff? Mm-hmm. You know, all point. of that, that is trauma that they're, they're dealing with. Right. That a lot of us don't have to. Right. And don't, you know, recognize. Oh, we do. And, and we don't really talk about how we overcame it. Mm. And so as there is trauma, there's also resilience. And um, we have a whole history as a people, particularly in this, in this country, of, of, of how we overcame and how we got over. And I think over the last 40 or 50 years, when we've re- leaned more on systems to do what family and community uh, really should be afforded the, the opportunity to do economically, um, that's where we start to see more of a disconnect in the neighborhoods and the community and a lack of, of, of really how we come together and support each other. Yeah. Yeah. So with all of that said, with all of the things, kind of the disconnect that we've over time developed, kind of coming in and being solutions oriented, I guess. And that's where you guys kind of come in with the accountability program. Mm -hmm. What is that? Well, the Milwaukee County Accountability Program is is a a court-ordered program in uh, our youth justice system. That's one aspect of what we have as a, a continuum. Um, there are some challenges there, so we're undergoing some restructuring of that program. Mm-hmm. But as the Department of Health and Human Services, we're moving more towards an upstream prevention model uh, to work with young people. We know that it costs a significant amount of money to lock a, a young person up, and, and oftentimes it's easier to find money to build buildings than it is to build people. And so we are, are working with a number of different community providers uh, for the longest time, we've had a, a phenomenal partnership with the Running Rebels and other uh, uh, youth-serving agencies to help meet some of those needs of our aftercare, young people returning home from uh, uh, a stay with uh, the youth correctional facility or the juvenile detention facility. But uh, I think when we talk about accountability and prevention, we have to talk about a young person's skill set and their needs. One thing that we've also seen is that uh, 60% of the young people in the youth justice system are, um, are, are undiagnosed for some type of cognitive disability, uh, whether that's you know autism or, or other types of, of things that could have been treated or caught earlier if we were working across our system. That's a big number. It's a huge number. And unfortunately, it's not seen until after they've already gotten in trouble. And so what we're doing as a department is integrating our youth services, uh, our disability services for young people, our behavioral health services for young people, and the youth justice system. Our goal is to decrease not only the number of youth in uh, secure uh, care, such as the detention facility or correctional placement or even some of the the treatment facilities in the community, but find ways to connect them to services and supports for them and their families earlier. And so we're building a continuum of providers and support services for young people so that we can reach them earlier and diagnose other challenges that they might have, whether it's a developmental Mm -hmm. challenge, uh, a cognitive disability, or other types of, of needs that they may have from the behavioral health or substance abuse lens. That's huge. That's huge. 
We're going to dive a little deeper in that. Sure. First, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back. You are listening to the 411 Live. Real people, real talk. Wait, not the toilet. No, don't do that. No. Don't hit your brother. Not again. What did I tell you about playing in the mud? Raffi, not so close to the pool. Wait! Frankie, happy... What are you doing? We told you never to touch the gun! I'm sorry, I didn't think it was that big of a you deal. You could have hurt yourself! Safely store your guns. Unload, lock, and away from ammo. Get it, slip it, cuff it, check it. Talk to doctor now and share it. Get it, slip it, cuff it, check it. High blood pressure silently affects millions of Americans. Staying on top of your blood pressure is as simple as these four easy steps. Self-monitoring is power. Visit manageyourbp.org to learn more. Welcome back to the 411 Live. I am here with David Muhammad. He is the Deputy Director of the Milwaukee County Health and Human Services Department. We were talking about the accountability program sure. and all these entities or um, what tentacles to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you were talking about the behavioral part and, and kind of looking into the family dynamic. This, this is a, like an umbrella mm-hmm. kind, of, kind of thing. Is it working or how, where are we in it? Well, I would say that there's, there's a number of bright spots. And when you do a lot... Um, oftentimes people don't really know. And like you mentioned at the beginning, mm-hmm. we have to do a better job of letting people know what's happening. How we measure success uh, also has to change. The number of persons served is, is really a measure of the problem. It's, it's an output. It's not necessarily moving the needle. So when Milwaukee County says racism is a public health crisis and we want to make the county the healthiest uh, urban county or the healthiest county in the state, right. then we have to look at the, the overall life of, of people being improved. That means young people served in, in ways that increase their employment or their ability to uh, have goals and futurize and, and really see a life past uh, you know, the next few years of their life and the immediate gratification they might get from things. And we do that through evaluation and measurement. Uh, the department really did not have that kind of capacity over the last several years across its uh, its various service areas. Mm-hmm. And just for folks' awareness, DHHS, which is the Department of Health and Human Services, we serve 80,000 people a year. We're the county's largest department. We have a budget of about $400, 000, $400 million, excuse me, and a staff of uh, a little bit more than 700, 750, and a lot of providers. People know us from who we contract with. So behavioral health services and and substance abuse services and youth services, which is what we're focusing on today. But that department is um, housing. So if folks are homeless or they're precariously housed or if they're receiving a housing voucher, that's us. If uh, people are uh, persons with disabilities Mm -hmm. across the age spectrum, so the aging and disability services area is us, veteran services at the county, uh, behavioral health services, which is mental health and substance abuse. Okay. So folks might be aware of the Better Ways to Cope campaign or the opioid, uh, you know, outreach efforts that we have going on to try and reduce overdose deaths. That's a part of our work as well. And then the youth justice or uh, children's youth and family services area. 
So we have multiple areas that we're focusing on in terms of community life, uh, personal health, and uh, mental and behavioral health. I would say how the youth justice piece is going. Our detention numbers were going down significantly uh, prior to the pandemic. We had uh, numbers like 60 and 70, uh, but during the pandemic, it shot up to as high as 130. Um, they're down around 103 now, 100. Yeah. So we've made some progress there. But the reality is from 2020 to 2022, we've seen a level of stress and pressure on people that is very different. And I know folks can kind of get tired of hearing, oh, COVID this, COVID that. Right. Yeah. But when you have schools shut down and one of the main ways to, to engage a young person's needs is in-person services, that has an effect. When you have economic pressures, and we look at this from the lens of public health. So when we work with people like the Medical College of Wisconsin, they have a violence response public health and safety team that provides us with data uh, that they get from law enforcement, but the hospital systems as well. And when we see spikes around back to school time or the end of the school year or around tax time, or around mm -hmm. holiday season, we see a correlation between economic stress and acute mental health needs, um, substance abuse, and violence. And so all of those things play a part in people's reactions to their lived environment. And that's how we know for us how we're doing in truth. We can say we've served this many people. We can say these numbers of these uh, persons that we've served. And we're very proud of, of, of our Credible Messenger program, which is really the, the North Star of where we're going as a department for youth justice. The Credible Messenger program in its first year from uh, 2021 into the early part of 2022 gave us very good results. Uh, it's a, a small number of young people, about 70, but they have some of the highest charges in right. terms of, like we were talking, auto theft, gun violence, et cetera. And of those young people, 77% have not reoffended or be re been re-injured. That is, gosh, and I know our time is going fast, sure. but that program excites me. Wonderful. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, more than well, anything, yeah, you absolutely. know, because you've got your credible messengers. These mm -hmm. are people with lived experiences sure. who the kids can form a real relationship with because right. it's like, okay, you get it. You get me. Mm -hmm. And I just think that just makes so much sense. Agreed. Um, I mean, there's a number of reasons it makes sense. Uh, the daily rate to incarcerate a young person is about $1,200 a day. Mm. The cost to invest services in a young person and their family is about fifteen to twenty thousand dollars a year. So wow. when we do the math like that, the cost of the pilot, which was about one point two million for five agencies to serve seventy uh, highest risk young people, um, that's the same amount of money that it would cost to send three young people to Lincoln Hills. So for us, it makes sense on the return on investment. But it also makes sense for persons with lived experience to be uh, treated as experts in the care of young people. If they've demonstrated transformation, if they've demonstrated that they uh, can work alongside an at-risk young person or an at-promise young person, then that person really uh, becomes a, a critical figure. They're not a system partner. It's not something that the courts can mandate or order. Mm -hmm. It's something that the young person has to select. 
It's not something that's going to deepen their law enforcement involvement or legal system involvement because they are not giving information. And in, in many cases, because this is a public health approach, there's a firewall and the courts don't uh, ever want to necessarily get into the weeds about what they're doing to get those good results. But it works. And we want to see this thing uh, come to scale and become standard in terms of youth intervention in Milwaukee County. Oh, wow. So is this still in a pilot phase or? We're out of the pilot. We're okay. moving into refining and standardizing the, the model. We have five agencies doing it. Um, of them, 4-1 for Life, West Care, Wisconsin, uh, the Milwaukee Christian Center's Violence Free Zone, Running Rebels, and the Youth Advocate Program are all the five agencies currently who are doing the Credible Messenger Program. And we are looking at some other strategies that employ a similar model. Um, in mental health, behavioral health, people talk about peer support and persons mm -hmm. with lived experience all the time. But for this type of approach, we've seen great success in other cities. It's not novel. It's not new. It's what people in Milwaukee used to do in the 90s in many respects before the Internet and other things like that. Right. And, and everybody knows somebody who has leverage in a young person's life um, that can serve as that guide through some difficult choices. And so we're looking to make that uh, a, a very key strategy of what we do moving forward and how we partner effectively. And you guys are, uh, you know, coming in and filling that void when it comes to needs. You were talking about love and belonging and security, you know, all those, those basic needs that sure. we all need, but some of the kids are not getting it right. and you're helping them. That's absolutely correct. I think one of the things, you know, when you do, when you're asking about how do we measure what we do and how do we prove that, if I could say, you know, we did the basic contract obligations that I met with this kid this many times, or I did this with that family this many times. But the greater outcome that uh, we're really trying to measure is the young person's ability to see beyond a certain point yeah. in their life or a certain age, to have goals, to have a better sense of self, to have social capital, meaning that regardless of the situation, they know that there's somebody who can help them and their family, because you can't stabilize the family, you can't work with the young person. Right. Um, how the, they can get what they need in a way with someone who has leverage to help get access to those resources, employment, housing, clothes, food, et cetera. That type of security and confidence helps people overcome the stress of living in a, a neighborhood environment that's not always as peaceful as it should be. Very good. I know with the, the Credible Messenger, you were talking about the collaboration with the five groups, mm -hmm. but with all of this stuff, you need community collaboration sure. or community buy-in. Are you getting it? Well, on the community level, it's it's there. I think oftentimes when, when violence occurs in Milwaukee, people say we need the community to step up. I don't take that approach. The community's been stepping up. Um, we need the system to follow the community. Mm. We need the community to take the head and lead position and the you know the schools the 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 mental health experts the economic development because that's a major piece if there's not a a same level of significant economic thrust to help uplift neighborhoods in Milwaukee you know yeah. we're talking about downtown right. downtown can be a beautiful place and and, you know, the, what's the African proverb that the, the young person who's neglected will burn down the village to feel the warmth? <laughs> so, you know, downtown can be beautiful. The lakefront yeah. can be beautiful. The new buildings can be beautiful. 
the people uh, and the condition of their life has to be priority for those sector leaders. And that's where the accountability comes in. And people have to get much more comfortable speaking truth to power. If you're going to be in a service type of leadership role, speaking that kind of, um, you know, that call to action. Right. And making sure that community is at the table to help guide those efforts as well. Absolutely. Well, we have run out of time. But one of the things, I know it went really fast. And, you know, and another reason why I wanted you to be here is because when you talk, when I see you, I can feel your passion for what you're doing. It's not a paycheck, just paycheck, you know, just a job. It's it's more to you. Absolutely. And um, I really appreciate you. Appreciate you as well. Thank you for the opportunity. I wanted you to know that. This is David Muhammad, Deputy Director of the Milwaukee County Health and Human Services Department. Man, thank you for what you're doing, what thank all you. of you guys are doing. So thank just you. keep it up. Keep Appreciate it up. It. Uh, and we're going to have you back again because yeah. we need some updates. Sure. And, you know, let, com- let the community know what's going on. Absolutely. Um, positive things. So that is good. So thank yeah. you. Thank and you. thank you for joining us for this edition of the 411 Live. Remember, we are a nonprofit organization talking about community issues. So if you are so inclined to help us out, go to our website, the411live.org. Until next time, I'm Beverly Taylor. This is the 411 Live, real people, real talk. If you would like to check out past episodes, there are many ways. Go to your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Like and watch us on Facebook. Watch and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you have suggestions for future episodes, go to our website, the411live.org.